Hey, welcome back in to Talking Catholic with David O'Gray. Have an exciting show for you today. We have Muji Kaiser back on. We had her back here last December, December 2020. Uh, talk about her foundation, Okaja Foundation, um, raises money for orphanages in Africa. So we raised some money for that. But she's back here today talking about motherhood as a calling, motherhood as a ministry. This is a uh, very important conversation. Motherhood as a calling. Motherhood as a ministry in light of society today who rejects both of those ideas, right? But let's talk about our patrons right now to this program who helped me a lot um, to keep things going here. This KG, Dr. Olivia, Elise, um, Diane, Kenneth Dirksen, April Genovese, Don Schwab, Deleon, that's Deleon Gray, Maura's daughter, Dora Petrus, Clarence Fuentes, Raptilia and Shine. I really appreciate all your support. And if you're not a Patreon yet, you can always click on a link in the description box below, become a Patreon. We have different support levels from $1 all the way up to $100 and benefits attached to each. But most of all, I appreciate your prayers and your support, your likes, your shares, and your comments. And I just thank you for continuing to be with me on our journey, on our pilgrimage, and keep bringing um, the good news of Jesus Christ, that he does love you, he is there for you, and he does want to be part of every aspect of your life. Without further ado, Talking Catholic begins now. Muji, welcome back on to Talking Catholic. Thank you, David. Good to see you. Yeah, such a pleasure to have you back here. We were um, we had some really good feedback. A lot of people liked you on our show back in um, December of last year, and um, we were talking back then. We were talking about your faith journey, the relationship with your mom. Um, we were talking about one important things we were talking about. We were talking about motherhood as a ministry, and I thought that was a phenomenal conversation. But I think we left a lot on the table. Right. And so I want to pick that conversation back up and talk about motherhood as a ministry with you, because I know you've been developing some thoughts on this. And I guess a good place to really start. Why? I guess we can really open it up. So, you know, why is motherhood important? But first, I want to get everyone caught up on you, because I think last time we were here, we knew that married California, three mm -hmm. kids. Um, I think it's two boys, one girl. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. And we have another life on the way. Another little boy, about eight weeks. Wow, wow. I mean, did you know you were going to have like a, a big family? I mean, is that something that you envision yourself doing? No, you know what? To be honest, no, I didn't know. I knew that I've always loved children. I come from a big extended family. Mm -hmm. I'm only one of four in my immediate family. My mom was one of of 16 with some half siblings. So wow. I always grew up with a lot of cousins and uncles and aunts. And I and I loved that. Some of my greatest memories in Nigeria were with my whole extended family together. Yeah. But I think that after I got engaged, I think that I don't know if it's just me or maybe this is something that women just kind of wonder or maybe couples just kind of wonder, but you just, you don't know what, is going to happen to you and to your family. You've never, at least I never tried to have children before. So you wonder, <laughs> I mean, you just wonder like, make, can I conceive? Cause you know that that's not guaranteed to everybody. Um, yeah. So I, I guess I always prayed that I'd be blessed to have children. Um, 
and I've, I've been blessed in, in, a, in a way that's even greater than I had ever imagined. I mean, our, my children are really close together. Um, my husband yeah. and I have been married for five years and we're expecting five years in August and we're expecting our fourth in August. Wow. Um, yeah. God has blessed you guys. That's a beautiful thing. I mean, I never, I guess sometimes you take it for granted. I, I think sometimes like, oh, you know, we're going to have children and, you know, we're going to, you know, we're fertile and things like that. I guess, but you, you you don't know for certain and you don't know how things are going to unfold. But I guess the Catholic idea is to be open to life. And that's, is that the central, is that the central thing? Exactly. Yeah. And that's, and that's something that I've been thinking about a lot since I've gotten married and since I've started to have my own family. And since I've seen so many examples of what, it, what that actually means, because I, I've been Catholic since, birth. So I've mm -hmm. always heard that, how we're called to being open to life. But it wasn't until actually having a family of my own that I really understood what that meant. And I still feel like I'm still, it's still developing um, my, I'm still developing my understanding of that. But it's, it's really something that's amazing to me. I think being mm -hmm. around so many different kind of families who are all open to life, but who mm -hmm. have received that in different ways. Um, I just think it's something that's that's kind of phenomenal and seeing the graces that come from accepting whatever God brings to you. And it just varies from couple to couple. But yeah, I, I'm blessed and I'm thankful. Um, I'm looking forward to meeting this little guy. But, uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you said you've seen that, like, how, how does that unfold in different ways, like being open to life? I mean, talk a little bit about that. I mean, what are some different ways that, unfolds for people? Sure. So I think that a couple goes into a marriage and if, you know, being Catholic, they are accepting of that. They're being, they're open to life. They're accepting of whatever God, you know, brings to them, the number of children um, and the way that God unfolds that in their lives. Mm -hmm. For us, it's happening faster than we had ever imagined. Um, and I'm seeing for others who might also display the same openness to life, it not happen in that way. Um, mm -hmm. I have friends and family that are struggling to conceive or didn't initially struggle, but are now. And I think that, I don't know, I think that it's just incredible because we are just accepting God's will. And I think that we can't really, society tries to make it seem like we're in such control, you know, okay. plan your family, plan, plan your life, plan, plan, plan. But in reality, that these things aren't really under our control. We can plan to an extent, but in the end, it, it's only whatever God actually gives to us. So mm -hmm. for us, it's been, we've had one vantage point of our family growing really quickly. So then seeing people that I really, um, that I love and adore, experiencing the polar opposite of that has been really humbling for me because obviously it's beautiful and I love my family, but obviously having kids that close together, it can be, it can be difficult. Um, okay. And seeing families that would love to experience that difficulty <laughs> if they had the mm -hmm. choice um, just gives me a great appreciation for the way that we've been blessed, but also just makes me realize that God calls us and brings these virtues out of us in different ways. Um, and I think that for, for couples that are struggling to conceive, 
I mean, the virtue of patience is something that we both have to practice, like people with children, people without children, but in such different ways, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So it's just, I think that the willingness to accept whatever God puts in front of, front of us, it, it's it's difficult. Um, I think that it's it's something that requires a lot of prayer on both ends. Yeah. Um, I think that I'm seeing my husband and I grow in ways that we we wouldn't otherwise if we didn't have children. But I yeah. imagine, but I imagine for couples that can't conceive, there's also a growth there once you put your your complete trust in God in the situation that they've been given, which will also lead to the growth that just presents itself differently from our situation, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and family, but what is, I mean, what does family mean in, in the Catholic context? Because I know family means when, because um, you talked a little bit about that. You talk about the idea that society wants you to plan a family. And, but also you're talking about how family is a, is a gift. The family happens. Um, and, and God brings family as a gift through, through motherhood. Um, in other ways. So how, how does family develop for people? And what are some of the ways that family looks like when you're not able to conceive as fast as you, as you would like? So it's like a two part question there that I think is important. I mean, I guess I, I can't, I can't speak for those couples that can't conceive. I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. I can imagine from the conversations that I've had and from the people that I know that are going through the process that it's, it's that discernment, um, mm -hmm. discerning adoption, discerning being a foster parent. And I'm seeing that unfolding in a lot of people. Um, but in the end, it comes, it comes down to that prayer that comes with the discernment and hoping that and praying that we're able to receive whatever and understand whatever God wants us, wants them to do. Um, mm -hmm. and, and throughout that, mm -hmm. these decisions that they have to make, um, obviously I, I can't, I can't speak for, for them, but I would imagine that that's what's going on. Um, yeah. But specifically with Catholicism, it's being open to life. So I was reading a little bit of Humane Vitae, um, and that's from Pope Paul the Sixth. Um, Pope Paul, Pope Paul the Sixth. Yeah. And it says that spouses to whom God has not granted children can nevertheless have a conjugal life full of meaning in both human and Christian terms. Their marriage can radiate a fruitfulness of purity, of hospitality, and of sacrifice. So. For couples that are discerning adoption um, or discerning fostering, there's the graces that come with that, I would imagine. But then mm -hmm. even if you choose not to do that, I think that there are a lot of other ways that from the, couple, from the couples that I've seen that haven't had children or have not adopted, I think they're still, they're still ministering in different ways. Um, yeah. Really wonderful friends to, to me and to everyone that I know that they associate with. And they don't harbor any kind of resentment. Like when, as our family grows, um, I just feel like there's just such a glowing humility and grace within within them. And these mothers that I know are yearning for that. Yeah, um, I was wondering about that, about that, about that struggle. Like, um, 
because motherhood as as a ministry, right? That it doesn't be. When does it begin? I mean, does it begin at the moment of conception, or motherhood as a ministry is something that's continually to unfold before marriage or after marriage? Talk about how motherhood as a ministry. How does it develop over time? That's a good question. I don't know. I think so. I. I recently wrote an article for Theology of the Home. It's a really beautiful uh -huh. Catholic um, publication that's online. And I talked a little bit about motherhood in its many forms. So the foundation, uh, my nonprofit, the Okaja Foundation, we work with an orphanage in Nigeria that my aunt runs, my aunt's a sister. So I know that for, for those sisters, they obviously don't have any biological children, but in the same sense, like they're mothers. They're mothers for those children, um, the 50 yeah. plus children that are there with them. And I think that it's the same thing for, maybe it's just, I know that that maternal factor is always, it's it's in women, it's in girls. Yeah. Like it's something that just grows and develops and perhaps it just doesn't develop fully in that specific way until a woman has had children of their own. But I also think that regardless of whether you have biological children or adopted children or not, um, women are naturally just mothers. You know, we mother to our friends, we mother to <laughs> our friends' children. I don't know, I think that it's, it's something that's just there that probably just presents itself in, in different ways, depending on, yeah. depending on you know, your situation. But um, I'm blessed yeah. to know these so many Reverend sisters that uh, are, are just mothers to these children that are orphaned and don't have mothers of their own. Um, and I see it there. I see it when my mother passed away. There are women that were obviously weren't biologically related to me, but became mm. mothers to me um, and continue to be mothers to me. Now that I'm married, I have my mother-in-law, obviously, um, who I, whom I never knew before mm -hmm. meeting my spouse and who is now in so many ways reminds me of my own mother. Um, and I never imagined for a long time it was hard for me to call her mom because I'd only called one person that, and by the time that my husband and I had gotten married, my mom had already passed away. So like saying that word was really difficult, but I realized like after a while, like there was one point where I was looking through my phone to like message her and her name is Paula on my phone, but I started searching mom and it dawned on me, oh, like oh. mom, like she's become my mom. Yeah. Uh, and it kind of tear, tear up a little bit, but I, it's just really beautiful seeing Seeing different representations of motherhood just just everywhere, you know. Yeah. Women. Yeah. So yeah, it sounds like motherhood is like a like an unfolding mystery. Like it just <laughs> it just kind of unfolds over time as a gift. You never know yeah. what it's going to look like, right? I mean, it could be definitely maternal, but if if that doesn't happen, it could be it could come in other ways through adoption or through um, uh, family members, right? Um, it's like wow. That's, um, but society has like a different understanding of family, right? <laughs> family, you know, in society, I mean, there's, I guess, you know, there's the attack on true feminism. There's the, there's how society wants, uh, you know, the, the redefinition of family not being one man, one woman. So talk a little bit about that, how the, the Catholic teaching on family versus uh, what society is teaching um, and family and motherhood. Yeah, well, 
I think that what what has struck what struck me the most since becoming a mother, and since my family. Okay, so I had my daughter about nine months to the day after we got married, um, mm. and then had our son not long after that. So at this point, we had a boy and a girl. So mm-hmm. all the comments I was getting was like, "Oh, you have your boy and your girl. You're done." Um, and my response was no, <laughs> not quite. <laughs> um, and this was it was interesting because it wasn't even necessarily from from non-Catholics. I was getting it from Catholics as well, which is really surprising to me because I thought that it was that was the point that I realized that even as, with, amongst Catholics, we're not on the same page about what it means to be open to life. Okay. Um, I think even within people that are close to me that are are, not, are less traditional Catholics. They don't understand why our family is growing as quickly as it is. I think the society presents an acceptable family. Like if you look at commercials and if you look at TV, it's like mother, father, two, three kids. And anything larger than that, especially once you get over like four, um, people are really unfiltered in their comments, like publicly, like strangers. Um, And I mean, like, I, I have, there's so many instances of this amongst like the large families that I know, just stories of this. And it surprises me how, um, how brash people can be about something that's so personal that really only has to do with, you know, this couple and God. And I think that it's because society views large families as odd. It's not, it's not common anymore to see, you know, these large, these large families and, I think about the comment that Emmanuel, uh, the French president, Emmanuel Macron made, I think it was in 2018, where I think he said something like, show me an educated woman who choosingly has six, seven, or eight kids. As if to say that, and this was in reference to, you know, abortion and birth control. Okay. Um, in, in these, you know, in third world countries, Africa specifically, but also about uneducated minor minors having children. So that obviously that's something that um, young children, young girls should not be forced into any kind of marriage or. In the, but that's a whole yeah. other situation. But that comment in itself is if it's unfathomable to see a woman who is educated choosing to have a large family. I, I couldn't believe that. And I don't know if you remember this, but it sparked a lot of outrage in the Catholic community and there are ha- hashtags. And, and I, I know a, t- a ton of really intelligent women with college degrees and you know advanced degrees who yeah. have chosen to be stay-at-home mothers of six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve, like a large yeah. family. And they're beautiful and they're great mothers. So... This, I mean, this is supposed to be an intelligent man, a leader of, of, of France who is so comfortable in making a statement like this and, and not seeing anything wrong with it. It's just kind yeah. of an example of, of what our culture views as accept, acceptable. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's really interesting to me. And it's something that it's, it's something that I wasn't ready for. Mm-hmm. Um, the judgment, I guess. And yeah. I think initially, it really did, did bother me. Um, but I think that now it's not bother. It doesn't bother me as much just because I feel like I've had to really embrace that openness to life and motherhood. I think I've really yeah. had to grow an understanding of what that means. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I guess Macron would have. I mean, he's from that generation of when that was the idea of feminism that to be a woman meant to be a man, right? And, and so it meant to throw off the traditional idea of woman, the mother, that women, women, to be a woman that was connected to giving birth, right? And to be a man was connected to being a father and a husband and a provider. And so feminism meant to not have children, to rather than celebrate the family, was to celebrate abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, it was to celebrate, um, you know, my body, my choice, but not when applied to giving birth, right? Um, my body, my choice just meant it was applied to not giving birth. Mm-hmm. It, it, so, yeah, it's fascinating. That's just where we are in society um, that 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 we don't we don't celebrate motherhood. We celebrate the absence of motherhood. We celebrate the barren womb rather, rather than the, the fruitful womb. And that's just an amazing commentary of where where we're at, right? And I think society thinks that it celebrates women, especially around like Mm. Mother's Day. Like, um, but then you (laughs) notice you notice that the women, the mothers that they're celebrating, they kind of have to fit a a certain prototype. It has to be a mother who is who displays like you know male elements, who's also working. Um, who has it all, right? The career, okay. um, the, family, um, the strength of a man. Um, okay. So yeah. it, it's, you don't, it seems like displaying, <laughs> sorry, <my kid. laughs> it seems like the idea, feminism should advocate for all women in theory, but feminists yeah. look down upon stay-at-home mothers. They, mm. it's, they don't. They view us as if um, it's like it's almost imaginable, unimaginable, unmanageable, unimaginable to see a woman who's educated, who is strong, but who is happy to be at home with their children, raising their family, who yeah. doesn't view it as 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 an oppressive position, who um, fully embraces what motherhood is, because um, I think maybe it just goes back to the fact that at one point, like you know, obviously women had didn't have as many rights as we as we now do. But it seems like they've taken that and just to this extreme end where women aren't allowed to be women anymore. We have to show these masculine elements. And, yeah. and you know, uh, and unless we do that, then we're not strong. We must be, be forced <laughs> um, to be behave this way or something. It's just, I don't know. It's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, so women, the only reason why you have more than one or two children is because you're un- un- uneducated, stupid, um, or, or yeah, yeah. And I was thinking, I was, I was, you know, we were used to the the image of the father coming out of Hollywood and, and these productions. Hollywood is a industry, you know, um, not just Hollywood, the city. It was an industry, the entertainment industry. That the image of the father being, you know, just a, a dumb guy. The dog is smarter than the father, right? And so we're used to the, the image of the father being just this dumb person who's not a, um, he's not an alpha male. He's being led by his wife. Um, like I said, he's stupid. Um, his children run over him. Never, never the strong male. The, the father has been attacked, getting attacked for a long time out of mm-hmm. Hollywood. So to the point now, the perfect image of a father is someone like Homer Simpson, right? <laughs> but I never thought about it until you said it, that that's kind of what we see out of Hollywood as far as women too, right? She's she's not a, she, she's not happy um, being um, 
um, a stay-at-home mom. Um, she has to have a career. She she has to be this superwoman who does, who's a man and a woman, basically. That, that's phenomenal. I never thought about that until you said it. But I think we could probably look at all the TV shows, <laughs> and that's probably what we probably what we see. Yes, and if you if they show a stay-at-home mom, then she's unhappy. You know, she's thinking <laughs> about the career that she lost. She's thinking about all these things that she could have had had she not had children. Um, yeah. And it's it's just, it's sad. It's sad because you, this is what's presented to society. This is what young w w ladies are growing up and watching. Um, it's not promoted that a woman, that motherhood is a calling in itself and that people, women can be perfectly happy and are at their full potential when they are mothers. And obviously there's situations where some women have to work. Um, yeah. Just the fact that society views that as as that's what is now normalized and that's the way it should be is, is just wrong. Yeah, in my yeah. I always thought that was an agenda from the beginning. I mean, because if, if you look at it, um, it is 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 amazing how when the idea of there began to be more two parent homes, you notice that <clears throat> the prices of everything went up and so it's to the point now where you have to have two parent homes it was like a it was like a scheme from the beginning but it used to be the case that you know one income was enough and certainly it is i mean certainly it is you just have to know how to budget um i don't care how much you make i think everyone uh, uh if, if you if you budget and you plan around one income you could you could do it right mm -hmm. but what is how do parents grow in virtue in, in God's graces, how do how do they how do they what does it mean to grow in virtue through parenting? What does that what does that mean? I I know that motherhood has has made me a much less selfish person. Really, <laughs> because you you have to be right. Your mm. complete loss of control once you have children, um, because you're you're submitting to to their infantile needs you're submitting to to whatever their needs are and whatever whatever's happening in that moment um and that was probably one of the hardest hardest things for me and that's not something that i that i expected to be to be difficult but it's um you know you, you're single you're unmarried and your schedule is your own your life is your own you can you know as far as planning you can plan to have your day go a certain way. God may have other plans for you, but you know, mm -hmm. but still to an extent you're in greater control. Whereas with children, you just, you just never, and especially with an infant, you just never know. You just never know what you're doing. It seems like <laughs> um, it's just, you're responding to your child. You're responding to their needs. If they wake up in the middle of the night, so are you. It's, it's really humbling. I feel like I've grown in humility since having children. Um, yeah. And I think that, there's so many difficult situations that come with with parent with parenting, whether you're a mother or a father. I think that you know you fear you have fears for your children just accepting the unknown, um, because obviously God's God has a plan for their life, and you're trying to you're trying to raise them to be good people. You're trying to raise them to be um, to be strong, but you're also trying to raise them to be you want them to live, right? <laughs> <laughs> but you, 
you know, we, we never know what's going to happen to our child. So we just have to submit to God's will. I have friends whose children, young and old, have been through so many different things. I think about like what I went through as a child when I was three and I fell ill and how my mother had to respond to that. It's something that she never planned for. Um, yeah. And it's something that changed both of our lives forever. Take, it took her out of the country that we were in um, and we never, we never moved back there. So it's, things can change in an instant. So it feels like realizing this, I just learned that I had to be in com complete submission to God, what he wants for my child, what he wants for my family and whatever, and just praying for the grace to give me and fill, him, fill me with whatever I needed to have within myself to respond to my children's needs, to respond to these situations that are unknown because God knows what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, and I think that even as we're, even as we're, we're going through these difficult situations, even just something as, you know, as mundane as a, a child being sick in the middle of the night and just being up with them all night. Um, and you know, if, if it's like, a, if it's a man that has to work the next day, that's helping his wife. And it's just, it just takes a lot out of you. And I feel like you have to just take each of these sufferings and offer them as a sacrifice to God. So I feel like there's so many opportunities through our our suffering as parents. We have a lot of opportunity to earn graces. Um, we can look at these difficulties as things that we can offer up to him so that they don't go to waste, yeah. so that we can grow in virtue through these sufferings because we are called as, as Christians to unite our, our sufferings with Christ's own. And I think that one of the beautiful thing about one of the beautiful things about parenting is that we have a lot of opportunities to do that. So we just have to yeah. remember. <laughs> I yeah. think I I have to remember in those moments to not just be frustrated, um, and to not just feel bad for myself, but remembering this is a calling. Parenthood is a calling, and this difficult situation that I'm going through right now doesn't have to go to waste. I can yeah. use it to grow closer to God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're doing really good, obviously. Um, so <laughs> I was gonna say, I always thought, I always thought mothers gave us the closest glimpse of Christ when, when the the rare thing happened when a woman's in childbirth and she decides to sacrifice her life for her child can live. Those rare instances when that happens, I think that's the closest thing we see to Christ sacrificing your life so your child can live because that's what Christ did on the cross sacrifice his life for for the children of God may may have life but then you, you, when you're speaking about parenthood the sacrifices that come with parenthood I think in that too I think we see Christ in in the sacrificial and the suffering we see Mary as well right and I know Mary um played an important part in your mother's life and your life, right, as well. So, so talk as, as we start to wrap up, talk about the motherhood of Mary and how that influences you. Hi, um, My son wants to say hi. Hey! <laughs> He's been it's good to see you. <laughs> yeah, hi, David. Is that, hi. Your is that your second oldest? Uh, hi, yes. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. Oh, that's your oldest. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay, bye. <laughs> Beautiful kids. <laughs> she said, "She said hi, boo." I don't. Um, 
<laughs> so, so when I was when we spoke last time, I told you a little bit about when I was sick. Um, and I remember one of my I was three years old, so I don't remember very much. But one of the earliest memories that I have was when my mother was staying by my bedside, and the doctors didn't know if I would make it. And she was saying a rosary, and that image is so, image is always just stuck in my head. Um, and so even now, when I'm up in the middle of the night with my kids, I heard a priest say that mothers have an opportunity to grow uniquely in virtue because we're up in the middle of the night and we have these opportunities to pray when no mm, one else. Mm. I was like, wow, I haven't been doing that at all. <laughs> mm. Um, and I thought that that was so beautiful and that's something that I, that I try and practice now and I try and say the rosary if, I'm, if I happen to be up and, and it feels like those hours have not been wasted. Obviously, they're not wasted wow. my child. But I'm so glad that I heard that and I don't remember which what priest said it, but that's something that has always stuck with me. And I just, man, what an example do we, we have in, in a Blessed Mother. Um, obviously, the, her sufferings could... <laughs> never compared to ours like we what we go through and I, I I've been fortunate my kids are healthy um there's I we are we our difficulties are limited but I see so many other mothers who have who have lost their children um whose children are sick just so many different examples of what maternal suffering is and that really just makes me think of the suffering that our blessed mother had watching her son on the cross on the cross. Yeah. Um, and I just I'm thankful for her example of of humility, of her example of faith, mm -hmm. of trust. Um, yeah. all these things that we as mothers, as parents, are are also called to have. And when we look at what she went through, it just makes our experiences just seem so, so small. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So I, I'm thankful for 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 an example of such a beautiful mother, and I, and I think that praying to her specifically as a mother just makes me feel like I'm, like I'm understood. Obviously, yeah. God understands us, but just knowing that the mother of God also was up with her child in the middle of the night and, you know, <laughs> and went through these things with an infant and obviously yeah. much more as you know as he died on the cross but it's just it's really consoling it's really consoling to me um and when i when i think about it it's just something that 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 gives me a lot of comfort what is in society what is it about we could call it the traditional family, right? Um, but you have a career as, as well. You you have your foundation, um, um, but your primary ministry, your primary calling is, is mother. You recognize that, and obviously, your husband he sees his primary role as father, as husband. What does society misunderstand, or what, or I would say? Why don't they? What is it about the traditional family in that sense that they they don't appreciate the value of it? What value do you, does a traditional family add to society that people seem to be missing, and why should they embrace it? That's a really good question. 
I don't, I don't know what's changed. I feel like it has changed because there was a higher value placed on traditional family, right? Um, mm -hmm. And at some point, and I don't know if it was a feminist movement, and maybe this is something that the women kind of did to ourselves, but there was a shift. There was a, a shift culturally, and I guess it, it just, it probably depends on on what country you know you live in as mm -hmm. well. I think very, I think that yeah. we have, a, we have a unique perspective being an American, where I feel like that's. Um, it's an extreme example of society not accepting the traditional family, not accepting motherhood. Um, yeah. But I think that what people are missing is the beauty of being open to life. Um, that openness, especially because you don't know what the result would be. You might end up with a lot of children. You might not end up with, with any. You might somewhere in mm -hmm. between. It just calls for a great deal of faith and just trust in God. And that's something that we just need in, 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 in every aspect of our life. So it's exercised in this way um, through our practice of openness. But what, are we not always called to be faithful? Like, is, are there not so many unknowns um, within yeah. our life that having that exercise is just, is just good? Um, but I think that even though having large families can be difficult at times, and there is just so much beauty. Like when my children are here, like, I'm sorry, like they're running in and out and it's crazy, but it's, it's beautiful. It is beautiful. Yeah. Like never, I can be at my most tired and just so much joy. And I think that the joy is a grace that's given from God because we have accepted his will. Because we, mm. we said yes, like not my will, but yours. And I think yeah. that when you do that, God gives you the graces to overcome whatever challenges are presented, um, but also just that gift of joy within the family that you've been given or not given, right? I think that God yeah. is such a consoling God. So for families, I would, I, and I pray, I hope, but with families that are trying to conceive and haven't, there's that consolation um, that I hope that he gives to to those couples, um, but also that there's a community that I, that's praying for them as well. Yeah. Never, we're never alone, right? Especially mm -hmm. when we belong to this beautiful Catholic community, and I'm blessed to live in a community of a lot of really faithful Catholics. Um, yeah. And we're, we're leaning on each other. We're we're calling on each other and letting each other know of, of the difficult situations that we're in and we're praying for each other. Yeah, so it's not yeah. life is um, necessarily easier for anyone who is of faith or who is who chooses to be open to life. But I think that there are just certain graces that are given when you accept God's will and when you trust in him. And, and that's yeah. the most beautiful thing that I see. Yeah, yeah, that is, that is. All right, did we leave any questions on the table? I don't believe so. Anything else that you think you want to talk about? Should we get into NFP? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might be another show. We can do another we can do another show on that. <laughs> that might, that's a lengthy one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, but but thank you. It's just something that's really been been tugging on you know on my heart and um 
just from my experiences since my family has grown in this way and the kind of the hurt that I've experienced um, mm -hmm. from people reacting negatively to news that I, that I'm excited about, you know, the growth of my family and, yeah. um, and just kind of seeing the way that society also isn't accepting of that. And um, I guess the, the last thing that I wanted to really just mention was that it just makes me think of the way society as a whole views life. Um, you have, so I think of the children and the orphanage that we support and mm -hmm. they come and from this is, uh, this is your foundation, Okaja Foundation. The Okaja Foundation, right. Yeah. Support the orphan, my aunt's orphanage in Nigeria. Yeah. If you guys are listening on the podcast or you're watching, I'll put a link to our December broadcast when we talked about that. We raised did a fundraiser for that and also a link to learn more about that. But go ahead, Muji. Thank you. But it, just, <laughs> it just makes me think about the fact that society just doesn't seem to value life. And I think that that stems from a detachment from sex and marriage. Sex is just, the two are no longer viewed as, right. a, viewed as a connected thing. And that's how, then that's the way it should be. So it seems like, you know, now with the promotion of you know, contraceptions, of the promotion of abortion, um, and especially with the way the United States funds abortion and contra contraceptions in all these like third world countries, including Nigeria, you have people who argue on the side on the side of do you want this child to grow up suffering? Do you mm -hmm. want this child to to not be taken care of? Would you like this child to be living on the street? Obviously we don't want any of that, but <laughs> should we should we not give a child the opportunity to live, to thrive? Mm -hmm. I have 50, 50 plus examples of the children that are in the orphanage that we support of children who are thankful to be alive, to be thankful that obviously they're in situations that you would never want any child to be in, but because they had an opportunity to live, mm -hmm. they are now thriving. They're now being taken care of. I don't understand that logic at all. It's something that just kind of irks me, but yeah. I don't know. We just have to keep praying and pray, pray that, that that will change. But yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it's such a it is such a an, an odd way of thinking. It, it is. I mean, it's like sometimes we just live in a twilight zone. Like, this, okay, that, that doesn't make sense. That 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 line of thinking is so logical and is, is counterproductive and also it's just demonic, right? Because it doesn't lead anything that that doesn't lead to life or support life. We know it doesn't come from God, right? So, exactly. yeah. Well, Muji Kaiser, thanks for coming on the Talking Catholic again. I appreciate yeah, it. And I appreciate you having me. Yeah, and I got to have you back on because I know we left some unfinished business on the table about natural family planning. So let's definitely come back sometime before the summer's up and we get we could dig into and in, dig into uh, dig into that. Sounds great. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much. God bless. God bless you too. And thanks for tuning in to Talking Catholic. Make sure you drop down in the subscription box to visit Muji, her, her foundation, and to read her article at the Theology of Home. But until then, until next time, blessings and shalom to you and to yours. What does Princess Mai mean to me? We're all royals. 
None of them are like me. And they don't want to be. We all are and love to be unique. We're not carbon copies of the latest hottest celebrity. I mean, I love B, but she do be way better than me. And she would be no good at doing me. We embrace our natural crown and we are proud of our natural color. Why change the king's art? We are his princess and princesses. We are his art. I am 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 his art. We are his art. Hi everybody, thank you for watching. Subscribe here to get the latest from the show. Also be sure to check out the content you've missed. If you'd like to keep supporting my work, consider joining my team on Patreon, where you'll be gifted great perks like books, hoodies, and mugs. Thanks again.